your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, 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 and welcome back, or welcome if it's your first time to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. I am your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter and yell at me there at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Stay tuned to learn more about Built Bar's fabulous relaunch and their great line of products. On tonight's episode, it's been uh, a little over 48 hours since our last upload, or actually maybe slightly less this time, and (laughs) somehow in the span of like two days, a bunch of crap has happened. Some of it involving the Winnipeg Jets, some of it good, some of it, you know, questionable, other bits more on like the procedural side of things. But on tonight's episode, we'll get you up to speed on what's going on with the Winnipeg Jets, uh, what exactly is going to be taking place this coming Thursday and previewing some of the NHL's top games on this hockey eve, because tomorrow the NHL is back, and whether or not that's a great thing, who knows. But let's just hope everyone stays safe, stays healthy, and enjoys tomorrow's NHL action. It's been a long time since we've last had hockey, a couple of months now, and it somehow feels like an eternity has passed in between then. Let's start off with the Winnipeg Jets, though. A number of players have been waived, and of course, when you waive players, you always put them at risk for somebody else claiming them. One of the most notable names was Matthew Perot. Now, the thing about waiving Perot is that it's more like a cap move. The Jets would save around $1 million on his cap hit by doing some buried stuff, and it sounds like, from all uh, the communications with Paul Maurice in the interviews, that Perot is expected to suit up in the opening night lineup. He was cleared from waivers this morning and was back on the ice practicing and apparently fist-bumping some of the other teammates, so it sounds like he's good to go. And there weren't too many players who were actually claimed off of waivers, but two of the four that were claimed were actually Winnipeg Jets, and one of them was Lucas Abisa, and the other is Eric Comrie. Of the players that you could waive, Sabisa and Comrie, to me, seemed like some of the least likely candidates to get claimed, because for the most part, I don't really know that either of these players are particularly highly regarded, but apparently the Preds decided otherwise and claimed uh, Lucas Sabisa, which for the Jets is probably a good sign. With Dylan Sandberg and Vili Heinola both competing for one of those spots alongside Sami Niku, you know, I think that there's a pretty good wealth of options if injuries arise, and I think we've already seen enough of Lucas Sabisa to know that he's not really anything more than like a 7th or 8th defender. I don't really feel that Sabisa was going to be somebody that I I wanted to call upon in case of injury, and his departure for Nashville probably doesn't hurt the Jets too much. Now, it does sound like Blake Wheeler was pretty upset by the claim. He is neighbors with Sabisa, and I'm sure they were uh, pretty decent friends from what it sounds like, so it does suck on a personal level. As far as the roster goes, I I do think that Sabisa's departure does actually help the Jets long term. You want to give your younger D some ice time, and I think that removing some of these roadblocks and impediments to your young guys getting the ice is going to be very important for developing their long-term trajectories. Obviously, Sandberg, Heinola, and Niku all need some kind of ice time somewhere, and getting it at the NHL level is the only way that they're really going to improve. Eric Comrie's kind of an interesting one, and I feel like Comrie was probably one of the few players that I didn't really see getting claimed. 
There are a number of goaltenders out there who are available either as free agents or apparently on the waiver wire, so I was kind of surprised that Comrie got claimed by Detroit. Now, Eric is one of those players who I think a lot of people for many years thought was going to turn into something. A lot of goalie prospect experts expected him to be some kind of an NHL starter. He had all of the the traits and physical tools that you'd expect from a really high-end player, but it just never really came together. Detroit will be like his third or fourth organization over the past couple of seasons. He's been moving around a lot recently. And I can't lie, I feel pretty bad for the kid. I think Comrie has sort of had a a rough hand dealt to him, and now he's going to be going to an organization that doesn't really have a whole lot in the way of high-end goaltending prospects ahead of him. I don't actually know who's on their goalie depth chart, and to be honest, I think it's getting pretty thin. They've lost Maratzik, and I think Howard is gone, so there's not really a whole lot standing in the way between uh, Comrie and some sort of ice time. The Red Wings, though, have a really bad defense, so I could imagine Comrie struggling quite a bit. He hasn't really set the AHL on fire, and I feel like that's probably his ceiling is is like an AHL starter of some sort. If he somehow works himself into Detroit's rotation and becomes either a starter there or actually, you know, even just a backup, I think would be very impressive. He's one of those prospects that just never really panned out, and it's kind of disappointing because I think a lot of you know a lot of folks were sort of anticipating his arrival as some sort of top tier starter and somebody who could push Hellebuck to be better. But I don't think that that challenge ever really came. He still has a lot of really great reflexive motions and and good vision and stuff, but I think his actual mechanics and techniques aren't exactly refined. Every time I've seen him either playing at the NHL level or in any of the other preview footage I've been able to find, he just looks kind of raw somehow. I don't know how to describe it. He just doesn't really seem like somebody who has yet to put all the pieces together. It's not like he can't, and I don't know that going to Detroit is going to end his career, but mm, sorry, one correction, not Detroit, New Jersey. For some reason, I kept thinking he'd gone to the Red Wings, Uh, but he's actually going to the Devils, and I think the situation is more or less the same. The Devils are also pretty rough. I don't imagine that they're going to have too many uh, really talented defenders ahead of him. And they're also kind of dealing with a a goaltending depth chart that's not great, although they do have like Blackwood and and somebody else. I'm not sure who it is. Um, But again, they're pretty thin. I have a feeling that Comrie, again, will get some kind of time there, probably as a backup. I just, I don't know. I really feel like if he doesn't make it with New Jersey at this stage of his career, I don't really know where else there is to turn. You think about all of the trials and tribulations that he's faced over the past few seasons being waived and claimed multiple times, and I don't really know if there are too many doors left for him to open. I think at this stage, he is what he is, and unless he has a really big turnaround in form and and gets some sort of uh, confidence and technique back, I don't really know if he's going to be much of an NHL player. Him struggling so much just sort of seems to serve as a really good reminder that what Winnipeg has in Connor Hellebuck is very special. I think it's a little bit easy to, you know, not necessarily dismiss, but maybe underappreciate what it means to have a Vezina winner and somebody who's been a Vezina finalist twice already. I mean, for him, he's already earned some of the highest honors that an individual goalie can achieve other than like a Stanley Cup ring. So this is pretty fantastic news. I think Hellebuck has continued to be Winnipeg's dominant starter in recent times. There were a few seasons there where it looked a little bit hairy, but he's ended up pulling it out, and it's clear that he's become the top dog with Bersois in the number two slot, and perhaps Berdine down the road. But I think for Comrie, he's going to have a pretty uphill battle behind a New Jersey Devils team that's just not that strong. He will get to link up with former Jet Dmitry Kulikov, so maybe they'll have some chemistry or whatever, who knows. 
Kulikov around his team's own goaltender usually gives me a little bit of a pause, I have to say, but hopefully it goes well this time and maybe he can give his uh, netminders a little bit more support this time. That about wraps up the Jets news, though. I think that we can all imagine the Jets didn't really lose anyone too, too important to the team on waivers, and hopefully that continues to be the case for the rest of the season. Speaking of the upcoming season, in just a little bit, we'll take a look at some of the top games in the next couple of days and maybe try and predict some early results as early as it is. Before then, though, I thought you should hear about betonline.ag. For all of you football fans out there, by now you probably know that Wildcard Weekend was an extremely rocky, unpredictable, and frankly, crazy weekend in NFL action. But now we're heading up into the final stretch, we're facing some conference semifinals, and the road to the Super Bowl lies straight ahead. Maybe you think the Chiefs are going to be back to defend their crown, or maybe you're expecting an upstart team like the Buffalo Bills or the Baltimore Ravens to emerge victorious. Or maybe you even think that the New Orleans Saints are going to be the upset surprise contenders that no one has really been paying as much attention to. If you're looking for the safest, best, and most reliable website to place your online bets on who you think the next Super Bowl champion is going to be, look no further than betonline.ag. They have betting lines for all the top sports, including college football, NHL action, NFL matchups, and so much more. Stop sitting on the sidelines and get in on the action today. When you create a free account at betonline.ag, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are currently doing our season preview coverage because the season kicks off tomorrow. And in just a moment, we're going to talk about some of the upcoming games as well as a few extra storylines heading into this upcoming season. Before then, though, I wanted to tell you why you should be listening to Locked on Bets. 2020 is mercifully over, and it's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Locked On Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked On Bets on your favorite podcasting platform of choice. Happy NHL Eve to all of you. I'm sure you're probably eagerly awaiting the return of hockey action. We've had some college hockey and stuff in between, but obviously it's not really a substitute for the real thing. And I'm sure plenty of Canadian fans are probably still not over that defeat to the U.S. just a couple weeks ago at the World Juniors. So now it's time to cleanse your palate with some NHL action. And up tomorrow night, we have a couple of games that should be fairly interesting and some early ones in the Northern Division that'll give us a better sense of what Winnipeg might be facing. The first game, though, is, of course, a rivalry game, and that is going to be the Penguins versus the Flyers at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. Now, I expect this to be a very high-octane game where uh, I don't really know who would actually win this one just because my impression and my gut tells me that the Flyers are going to win, but Penguins have a pretty decent roster, and they got rid of Jack Johnson. I'd probably call that addition by subtraction, and they've brought in a couple of different goal scorers. I think Kasperi Kapanen might be an interesting player. I don't expect him to be, like, really high impact, but hey, it's Kapanen. He has some, you know, middle six upside. And this is frankly a Pens roster that doesn't really need any help. Now, I do kind of wonder what exactly their goaltending situation is going to look like because they have a couple of guys that they've relied on in the past, uh, a couple of players like Tristan Jari and somebody else recently. And maybe they think at least one of these players who's been marinating either in the AHL or elsewhere is ready for full-time starter duty. As far as the Flyers are concerned, if they avoid the way that they played during the postseason last year where they were kind of slow and, and a lot more conservative than I was expecting, I think the, the Flyers are going to have a really good season. They have a very high-octane offense. 
Kevin Hayes, of course, was a major difference maker for that top six unit, and they've had really good special teams and really good even strength offense. So if they go back to playing the way that they did before, I, I imagine that things would look pretty good. Vigneault, though, is going to have to get away from some of his behavioral habits when it comes to, like, a really defensive style of hockey. Let your team play, man, and if the return of Oscar Lindblom is going to kickstart that offense, too, it's going to be a pretty decent season for Philadelphia, and they should make plenty of playoff noise if they get in. Up next will be the Canadians versus the Maple Leafs at 7 p.m. Eastern, and this is a fairly interesting game, at least from Winnipeg's perspective, because I think Montreal and, and Toronto are probably uh, the other two top three teams that will occupy those standing spots between Winnipeg. I imagine that, you know, Toronto will finish first in the division, maybe Montreal or Winnipeg, and then whoever, you know, between the Jets and the Habs kind of finishes after that would take that third spot. I expect all three teams to be competing for those top three spots because the rest of this division just isn't that outstanding. Now, between the, the Habs and the Leafs, I would probably favor Toronto. It's a home game for the Maple Leafs, and obviously Toronto still has a really vaunted offense. Their blue line is maybe a little bit dodgy. They've had to move some guys around, and I think some of the players that they were expecting to really take a step forward probably haven't done so as much as you'd anticipate. Defense and goaltending, though, not really an issue if you're outscoring your opposition, so I think that's probably what they're banking on. I don't know who's in net for them quite yet, but we'll have a better sense of their lineups coming up tomorrow, and we'll see who kind of comes out of this one. I, I expect, uh, I think the Habs will give Toronto a good run for their money, but I don't think they'll win. That Leafs offense is just too good at scoring goals, especially on the power play. Later in the evening, we will have Blackhawks versus Lightning at 8 p.m. Eastern, which is very strange seeing uh, both Chicago and the, the Lightning in the same division. Not something that you'd normally see in a regular season, of course, with all of the divisional reorganizations. I think it's going to be a fun game. I think Chicago has played a really high-energy style recently. It's not necessarily great hockey, but for some reason they just continue to be a real pest. Tampa Bay is Tampa Bay. They won the cup for a reason. They probably deserve more than one cup over the past couple of seasons. That's a team that's continued to be a juggernaut, and now they have guys like Tyler Johnson joining their taxi squad. Imagine having that kind of depth just sitting on your bench waiting for you, even if it's really expensive reserve depth. The last two games on the docket are the uh, Vancouver Canucks versus the Edmonton Oilers and the Blues versus the Avalanche. Canucks-Oilers is a hard one to call. I feel like, I don't know, Edmonton might sneak out of that one. You know, Vancouver's roster is okay on the whole. I think that they've made a couple of decent-ish improvements, mostly shuffling guys into, you know, roster spots where they frankly deserve to be playing. You know, less elevated uh, roles for, you know, bottom six players. The Oilers will have Yesapoya Yarvi, but who knows how he's going to be in impactful in this way, especially early on. We don't really know if he'll be in that top six quite yet. I think he has to do some proving to his team and his coaching staff that he's ready to kind of integrate back into the NHL. But, you know, that is a very potent offense all the same. Dreisaitl and McDavid can kind of score against just about anyone. So I'd, I'd say like Edmonton maybe like 3-2 or something in this one. It's going to be a really tough game, but I, I have a feeling that they pull this one out. The Avs and the Blues are more like a classic central division, even though they're not quite in the same division as they used to be, but this rivalry will be pretty interesting. You have two of the top teams from last season, especially in the central division. And the Avs, of course, just continue to get really young and really fast, and I think that that addition of skill and speed is going to be very dangerous for a team that already has plenty of offensive threat. The Blues are still very good at, at basically dominating even-strength defense and controlling play, but I think against the Avs, they're going to have their hands full. And this is going to be a very early game after quite a bit of time off, so I expect Colorado's speed and chaos creation to, to be a real handful to deal with. 
I feel like the Avs could easily take it like 4-2. So real good team, let me tell you. That wraps up all of tomorrow's games. On our next episode, uh, you know, actually tomorrow evening, we'll recap some of what happens throughout these earlier games and then talk about the upcoming schedule for Thursday and the weekend. Before we wrap up this episode, I did want to give a couple of broader NHL news updates and maybe talk about the impact of a couple of them because they do have some, you know, warning flags for me that I feel a little bit uncomfortable with. Before then, though, like I promised earlier, I did want to tell you a lot about the fantastic folks from Built Bar and their brand new relaunch, which is, for fans of Built Bar, a really exciting time. And if you're a longtime listener of this podcast, you know I'm definitely one of those fans. If you've never had a Built Bar, it's a protein bar that's more like a candy bar with a dark chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. If you want to give some of their 12 original flavors a try, I highly recommend raspberry or mint brownie. But if you can't have just two flavors and you want a nice sampling of all of them, be sure to check out the variety box. Like any great product though, Built Bar isn't content to rest on its laurels and is back and better than ever with a brand new lineup, including flavors like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. As great as these flavors taste, they're even better for you. With most Built Bars clocking in at around 200 calories or less, between 50 to 19 grams of protein, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Built Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high in protein, and high in fiber, so they're perfect for keto diets as well as weight loss and weight maintenance programs. To place your order, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out tonight's episode with a couple of interesting storylines from around the league. One of them is that the NHL is going to be doing some outdoor games in February, and I believe one of the sites appears to be Lake Tahoe, which will be pretty cool. I have a feeling it's going to, you know, recall some of the great old times of like pond hockey and a bit of a return to the roots for the league as well as the sport itself. I always like outdoor games that are in more scenic environments. I always feel like that for me is the way it's meant to be enjoyed, something very spacious, open, and just freeing. On the flip side of things that are are slightly more unnerving about all of this, especially the resumation of the NHL season, is the fact that COVID is still an issue, and even going out to a place like Lake Tahoe would require some risk, especially for players and staff traveling together because, look, COVID hasn't gone away, and we're already seeing plenty of teams dealing with positive COVID testing results. Dallas reported a whopping 17 positive tests, which is pretty crazy. They've actually had to postpone their game, um, which I believe was either uh, Friday or Thursday. So that's not great. Not great at all. And of course, they've said that most of the players are asymptomatic and it seems to be that the recovery is going well. But dude, that's really scary, man. I can't lie. You think about the fact that the NHL isn't using a bubble system and they're already having plenty of COVID positive tests because of the traveling and stuff that a lot of the players have been doing over the past couple of weeks. It's more than a little disconcerting, and I feel like the lack of isolation and, for me, proper COVID protocol is going to cause significant issues for this season, and you don't want to risk these players getting really sick. I know it's been, for a lot of folks, very, I guess, distant in many respects, but I I think for, you know, pro athletes especially, they have to be really careful because their body relies on being in tip-top shape, and because they put their body through so much stress and exertion, it might actually have significantly more impacts on pro athletes and especially their performance than it would ordinary people. There was a Korean footballer from a, a team called Red Bull Leipzig who caught it while he was doing his, uh, they have like a brief little um, tour that they have to do as a member of the Korean military and a Korean citizen. And when he was infected, it got to the point where he actually had to be really careful how much he exerted his respiratory system because it could cause cardiac failure. 
This stuff is no joke, man. They've got to be really careful, and I can't say that I feel entirely comfortable with the way all of this is going down. I sort of worry about the Winnipeg Jets, but of course, I don't know that there's really much that can be done. The league seems to be really intent on pushing ahead with this. Batman has already said they're going to be losing billions of dollars by doing this, and it's like, well, yeah, everyone is hurting for money, and, you know, they, they assigned that agreement with the Players Association to have this happen in January, so they kind of have to stick with it and figure out what exactly the best way to move forward is and protect the players and the staff. I know they don't want to invest in doing bubble stuff because it's very expensive to run over the span of several months, but at some point they're going to have to do something to start isolating guys because who knows what's going to happen once they start traveling around the country, either in the U.S. or Canada. Great times, man. But, you know, hockey's back. Let's take it one step at a time, hope for the best, and as always, you know, hope for the Winnipeg Jets to pull off a miracle and do something special. Hopefully without anyone getting injured or sick like usual. That's going to wrap up tonight's Winnipeg Jets discussion. Before you log off, be sure to check out the Locked On National podcast. It's not too late to check out the Locked On National NHL season preview series on the Locked On NHL podcast. Get intel on all 31 NHL teams and fantasy waiver wire ads from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Subscribe to Locked On NHL wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.